unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Well, hello there, and welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, David Garfinkel, the greatest copywriting coach in the world. How are you doing today, David? Nathan, I'm good. How about you? (laughs) I'm fantastic, man. I'm glad to be back on the podcast and continuing what has been my favorite series of everything that we've ever done on this podcast. Uh, These are my favorite episodes. Oh, you mean the old master series? Yeah, I like them too. (laughs) So what do we got on the agenda today? All right. Well, let's look at being a copywriter and you know, your job as a copywriter. The number one thing you've got to do as a copywriter first is to get people's attention. Duh. And it sounds obvious, I know, but how many times have you tried to write a headline or come up with a hook to get people's attention and you spent hours not knowing where to start? It happens to all of us. I found an old book in my personal library that can help you out. It's called The Magic Power of Emotional Appeal by Roy Garn. It was a bestseller way back in 1960. Wow. And so this is part of our old master series, like you mentioned, Nathan. And it turns out the author boiled it all down to four specific ways of getting attention. And after doing a lot of research and field testing, he figured this out. So today, we will, well, this is called what? The uh, four corners of getting attention. We'll reveal all four ways today. Now, uh, the interesting thing is each of these ways could be in one of the corners, but there could be lines between them. It, it's, it's not like you just need to use one corner. It's like you need to know the map. And so we'll reveal those four ways and give you some ideas on how to weave these emotional appeals into your copy. Now that I have your attention, guess what? Copy is powerful, and you're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries, like health and finance and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay, so back to the magic power of emotional appeal. This is a book about what makes people tick. And once you have deeper insights into what makes people tick, it's one hell of a lot easier to figure out how to get their attention. Here's an important quote from the book. The people with whom you live, work, and interact rarely want to think. They emotionally enmesh with what they feel. These individualized feelings are emotional activators as well as barriers to communication. Okay, so uh, this door swings both ways is what they're saying. Now, let me add, when you can tap into the right feelings for the right reasons, you can own the attention of other people, including your prospects. And this may be the best book about human nature I've ever read. It's out of print. So if you hunt it down, I want to give you a heads up. If you are very 
analytical and or you've had a lot of advanced education, you might find it tedious or rambling. I've taken all of that out and slanted everything we're going to talk about hard towards copywriting. And it wasn't as simple as that sounds. But once you get below the surface, you realize what Roy Garn has to say is actually pretty deep and insightful. It's just not presented that way in the book. It's extremely conversation and emotional, which you know is very congruent with the title. Now, let's get right into the four emotional appeals that rule the world of attention. The first attention-getting emotional appeal speaks to the primary unconscious objective of every living being. Um, obviously, that's self-preservation, you know, to live another day, to live another second, really. And this is very hardwired into the brain stem or the lizard brain. Direct appeals and indirect appeals work very well in getting and keeping a prospect's attention. Our genetic memory knows of famines, wars, and all kinds of other threats to the preservation of ourself. In other words, even if you didn't go through it personally, there's something inside you that remembers that. Um, in copywriting, offers ranging from self-defense to survival to insurance. And insurance, which if you look at it, from a primal point of view, is preserving your genes after you're gone, um, offers continuing to legacy, legacy preserving your name, your reputation, your ideas. All of these appeals continue to work. Offers built on these things continue to work, will always continue to work. Self-preservation. Okay, it's one reason rich people donate millions sometimes billions of dollars to universities and hospitals just to have a building named after them. So here's one thing Garn says in the book. He says, self-preservation emotional appeal is the reason why people would rather be entertained than educated, why the first few sentences of a play are harder to hear than the last few, and why a widow makes men more standoffish than a divorcee. It's powerful and it runs deep. Garn says, living longer and putting off death will always be powerful emotional segments in our makeup. There are whole businesses built on this appeal, like the Life Extension Institute, which sells drugs for longevity. I'm sorry, not drugs, supplements. Anti-aging drugs and other programs make up a $200 billion industry, according to Statista.com. Even skincare drugs that make wrinkles go away, magically go away like a miracle, they come from an appeal based on self-preservation. Now, with what I'm going to talk about today, you have to take off your literal cap and you have to put on your metaphorical, symbolic, poetic cap because it's not always literal. Family is a form of self in this appeal. For example, if someone criticizes your parents or your child, You'll side with your parents or your child because to the way the mind and the heart looks at that, siding with them is a form of self-preservation. So as far as copy goes, here are a few examples from the most direct to somewhat indirect. 
the famous copywriter, late copywriter Jim Rutz, wrote a famous Magalog with this cover headline, Read This or Die. Every prepper offer is based on self-preservation. Now, here's an indirect one. So listen carefully to this. There used to be a public service ad on TV long, long time ago, and it said, to get a good job, get a good education. You have to think this one through a little bit to see the power of the appeal, whether or not you agree with the logic. No education, no job. No job, no money. No money, no food, no place to live. No food, no place to live. You die. So that is the first one. Your thoughts? It's a little bit off topic, but I think that if people are really looking at this, it goes beyond just what we would normally think of as self-preservation. I think that a lot of uh, like book publishing is about self-preservation. It's I want my message to live on past me. Even what I do with podcasting and content marketing, same thing. Uh, YouTube is all about even if I die, this video vlog of my life will be there for whoever wants to click on it after I'm gone. It's a huge driver. And I think that the reason that people don't pay attention to it is because it's uncomfortable. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. But it's one of those things that as much as we try not to pay attention to it, it's driving so much of our life. Yeah. I mean, the main purpose of the brainstem is to keep the body alive, keep all the systems running. So, yeah, I, and I agree with you. It's very uncomfortable to the conscious mind, um, you know, some more than others. I mean, if you're <clears throat> in the funeral home business, it's probably not as uncomfortable since that's what you do every day. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and as to what you said, um, the books and so forth, that, that's one of those corners that connects with another dot, which I'm, I'm going to talk about later, but it definitely includes self-preservation for sure. Okay, cool. So I want to see where you're going with this then. All right. So number two, I'll tease it and then I'll release the tension. They've written songs about it. They've got huge buildings and institutions devoted to it. They even made a movie with Paul Newman and Tom Cruise about the color of this emotional appeal. Of course, I'm talking about money. Money is a close cousin to self-preservation when it comes to getting attention because at the most primal level, most people see money as the ultimate protection against harm. And there's a limit to that. I mean, if you get mowed down, flattened, and dismembered by a large truck while you're walking across the street, chances are really good that no amount of money is going to bring you back. But in many ways, money will increase your odds of self-preservation. Of course, it will do a lot more than that. And in any case, money is definitely an attention getter. So here's what Garn says. The emotional appeal of money refers to saving, buying, winning, investing, and earning. Money wishes, fears, and desires Embrace property ownership, economy, and feelings about personalized faces of future security. Let's look at a few examples here. The entire financial newsletter industry, including Agora, is built on the emotional appeal of money. People always want to make more quickly and not lose a penny of what they already have. Lots of luck with that, but that's what people want. 
fear of losing money is at least as powerful an attention magnet as is the desire for gain, maybe more so. And the entire biz op industry is also built on the attention getter of money. A huge number of offers are built on this proposition. Buy this program so you can get as much money as you want without depending on a J-O-B. And they always spell it out like it's a forbidden word or something. Money is one appeal that you need to be careful with, and you don't want to be too direct most of the time. You don't want to go too over the top because people are very distrustful of this kind of offer. One brilliant way of toning this whole thing down without watering down the emotional appeal was what Gary Bensavanga did with this headline, Get Rich Slowly. It sounds so reasonable and safe, but notice what the first two words are, get rich. So many of the great promos throughout time have just made a direct appeal to this. It doesn't even really have to be subtle. It can be just blatantly. Here's what I got. I mean, and you brought up BizOp. I'm thinking about all the different times that I've seen somebody put a uh, a piece of paper on a light pole with a, hey, do you want to make more money in a weekend than you do all week at your job? And then they got the little strips where you can pull off and call the number. Um, even at that basic level of street corner copywriting, this appeal works. It does. For some reason, people always want more money. I mean, I've never heard of a millionaire saying, I've really got too much money. I hope the stock market goes down so I can level it out a little bit. I, I never hear that, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, number three, emotional appeal number three. You know, people with dirty minds only think of one or two things when they hear this emotional appeal, but it actually goes much farther than what they're thinking of. I'm talking about romance. You know, in times of apps like Tinder and Grinder and Lick, romance almost sounds like a thing of the past, but it's not. What's more, romance is one of the four corners of getting attention, and it goes way beyond love and sex and romantic relationships the way Garn describes it. Listen to this old story for a type of romance you may have never considered for getting attention. Up in New Hampshire, they tell a story of old Daniel Webster, who was asked by a friend to auction his farm. Neighbors, he said, we're not auctioning Tom Brown's 34 good milk cows or 80 acres of fine land or a sturdy home that's seen 20 winters. No, continued Daniel, I'm offering you the chance of biting into a red apple with a juicy sap running over your lips, the smell of new-mown hay, clear mountain stream water on your table, the crunch of snow under your feet, and the best neighbors in the world. Daniel's final words hadn't settled on the ground before the bids came in. That was from Chapter 2 of How to Write a Good Advertisement by Vic Schwab. And so that was romance. Let me give you Garn's definition of romance, which is three parts. The first part is what I talked about in the beginning, sexual attraction and the desire for marriage or a relationship. Two, the future promise. And three, the new experience. So, you know, for sexual attraction and so forth, we know about porn and wedding planners and recommitment ceremonies. But did you know Bookstore owners have told me 
and this was when there were still a lot of physical bookstores, that half of all their book sales were romance novels. Along that line, the whole dating industry from Match.com to eHarmony to seduction and pickup artist stuff, all number one. Now, to me, the more interesting types of romance are the less obvious ones, like his number two, Roy Garn's number two, Future Promise. When I was putting my notes together for the show today, I thought of the headline on the letter I wrote that generated $40 million in revenues for Abacus Travel Management. The headline was, take the luxury vacation of your dreams at reduced cost because of this special offer. Listen again. Take the luxury vacation of your dreams at reduced cost because of this special offer. This was to new business owners who had successful, fast-growing businesses. The promise was very appealing, but the interesting thing is the headline got a lot of attention, but not one prospect who came in ended up getting one of those vacations. They all hired Abacus, not all of them, but enough of them to add up to $40 million, to, for something entirely different. They hired Abacus to be an in-house travel agency for their businesses. On a different note, Garn says, when an undergarment, perfume, or reducing method promises to make us more attractive than we are, it frequently has more emotional appeal than how much it costs. And the third kind of romance, the new experience, okay, a friend of mine has a very successful adventure travel business. Now, it's on pause because of the virus, but the fact that he can make a lot of money doing that shows just how people are always seeking novelty, though most people usually, and maybe not listeners to this podcast, we may be a little more out in the edge, but most people want this novelty with a measure of safety and predictability included. Finally, if you look at how cars are marketed, it's mostly romance of all three types, of course, sex and relationships, but think about the Subaru ads, Subaru, they also focus on safety for the family. And there's also future promise and new experience woven into some ads for cars. Do you have a problem with Kindle books? I do. Sometimes I really just want to hold a book in my hand so I can turn the pages and highlight stuff and make notes. That's one reason I recently released the print version of my book, Breakthrough Copywriting. And listen to this. On Facebook, I've gotten pictures posted from around the world. Pictures of people holding their printed copy of Breakthrough Copywriting in their hands, including one from an A-list screenwriter and marketer in L.A.'s famous Topanga Canyon. He was reading the book in his hot tub. Breakthrough Copywriting is a great book for you, whether you are a beginner or an A-lister yourself or anywhere in between. It costs a tiny, tiny fraction of my $5,000 a head seminar that the book is based on. So check out Breakthrough Copywriting on Amazon.com. Now, back to the show. I think this is one of those instances where you said two of them can be tied together. I think a lot of times money, money appeals are tied to romance appeals because you buy this car, not only does it make you look rich, but it also makes you look attractive to the opposite sex or the same sex, depending on what your preferences are. Um, the other one that wasn't mentioned at all and uh, is sticking out like a sore thumb to me is romanticizing the past. And uh. I'm thinking of Donald Trump and his Make America Great Again, where it's remember the good old days when 
one person could work and provide a house, provide for the household, and uh, everybody had a white picket fence, and um, uh, you know all, all of the awesome things from your childhood. Wouldn't it be great to go back to that romanticized era? Um, buy me, buy my product, buy my service, buy my uh, electoral campaign promises, and I can bring that. So romantic doesn't just have to be. And that came to mind when you were talking about buying that property. I was like, wow, that's totally romanticizing. And that's totally the basis of what his whole last campaign was. That's a really good point. Maybe you could say that nostalgia appeals are romanticizing the past because it is romanticized. You never get down to the the gritty, unpleasant side of the reality that you're thinking about in the past, just the romantic part, right? Yeah, you always uh, you, you think about the one that got away and how great it would be. And then if you get a chance to reconnect, you're like, oh, yeah, now I remember why we didn't work. <laughs> exactly. OK, good. So number four, I think I've saved the best to last. Well, so did Garn. I'm doing this in the order that he presented them in the book. And this one is so obvious, it's easy to overlook. But it's reasonable to say that this appeal has sold more expensive goods and services than anything else in the world. It's recognition. People crave recognition. As a copywriter, you might think it would be easier to give recognition to one person who you know than to give recognition to a group of readers in your copy. And it is. You're right. But there are still so many ways to snag people's attention using recognition, even if you don't know them personally. Because we're talking about a vitally important attention getter and motivator that ripples through human nature. Garn says, recognition is an inner emotional portion of everyone. Proper communication of this emotional appeal can assure achievement in unlimited ways. People need appreciation. And uh, even before I go into my examples, this is what I wanted to point out about something you said, Nathan, regarding a book and so forth. I mean, yeah, it's definitely self-preservation, but uh, people don't write books not to be read or to be ignored, right? They, They write them for the recognition. And there's nothing wrong with this, except if you're very judgmental about human nature as it is and you think it should be different for some reason. Let's um, look at a successful old-school headline. This is something that made a lot of money in an ad from Victor Schwab's book, How to Write a Good Advertisement. A wonderful two years trip at full pay, but only men with imagination can take it. It is for a home study business course, so, you know turning a a two-year home study course into uh, a wonderful two-year trip at full pay, that required some good work on the part of the copywriter. (laughs) I want to focus on the second part of the headline, but only men with imagination can take it. Of course, this is time when sexism ruled the airwaves, but um, a prospect who believes he has a good imagination will feel recognized and, and read on. In other words, it's recognizing his superiority in a certain way. And, you know, the people who say, I don't have a good imagination, 
They might not be good prospects, but they're not going to read it, of course. Now, think about recognition another way. There are all kinds of contests where you can win a prize, especially for creative efforts like writing, photography, shows like American Idol for singing. I don't think it's around anymore, but you know there are other ones, The Voice now, and Dancing with the Stars for dancing. People enter these contests, of course, to get recognition. Uh, a few more examples. Social media. Don't people post mainly to get recognition from others? And branding advertising. Um, we know that you can't track sales from a pure branding ad, so why do people and businesses do it? So that their brand will be recognized. And then finally, this headline, which a friend of mine, John Benson, used something real close to this for an offer he was doing a few years ago, how to have a beach body. Uh, sounds pretty straightforward, but the implications run deep and wide. Who will see my body when I'm in such good shape? What will they think? Who will find me attractive? All of those things are definitely connected to recognition and maybe to um, romance and maybe to self-preservation, but definitely to recognition. Got any additional thoughts on this one? Uh, I'm just going to add in, uh, and it's it's kind of a cliche, but you read uh, books about toward affairs or you watch movies about one partner stepping out on the other one. And you say, well, why would they do it? You know, the, why would the woman go sleep with the pool boy when her husband makes so much money and he offers her all the security and it's because he was ignoring her and the pool boy was recognizing her. So I can see why this appeal can be so much stronger than the other appeals and even overpower the other appeals um, because all of the other ones are, are kind of surface level, but when it comes down to it, everybody wants to be recognized. You've got middle child syndrome where the middle child doesn't feel recognized. You've got um, how many people that are in biz op or entrepreneurs or people that build these giant empires. And it comes down to the fact that they just wanted to be re uh, recognized. I saw a, um, I saw an interview with uh, Joe Vitale the other day. And he was talking about why he was such a perfectionist and why he was such an action taker and a go-getter. And he was real vulnerable in it. And he says, because that's how I feel recognized. That's how I feel like my life has value. So it's a huge driving thing that I don't think maybe people realize it, but smart marketers definitely realize it. Yeah, those are good examples. I mean... I, I also think about really expensive cars, you know, like a McLaren or, um, I don't know, a Bentley or maybe even a Tesla. Why do people get them? Well, uh, a Tesla, it's a, it drives pretty cool. It's, it's silent and, I don't know, I think it parks itself and all those things. But, um, man, it's like someone sees you and then they go, whoa, you are definitely someone special. So, yeah, so, so to wrap up, uh, we've got four appeals. One, self-preservation. Two, money. Three, romance. And four, recognition. And the book um, also, you know, one of the reasons I gave you that little heads up earlier on is I saw some reviews um, on Amazon of people who really didn't like the book. And I, I think I explained why. It's, 
it's not like how to win friends and influence people where it goes through step by step in a logical way. He's he's just rambling and talking, but spent 17 years doing this research. He, everything I read absolutely tracks with my own experience, just longer than 17 years recognition. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and it also the other thing is it's out of print, so you can spend 20 to 40 to a hundred bucks on a copy, but, um, you, you got what you need in this podcast, so you don't need to get the book, but you might enjoy it. Nice. One last thing that I'm going to add to this before we're out of here, when it comes to recognition, yeah. I've seen surveys and studies where they've checked employees and asked what the biggest motivator was and bosses always think it's going to be a pay raise or a bonus and it's not it's recognition yeah uh, i've i've heard sales trainers say that especially salespeople who would think be most motivated by money of anybody on the job uh, except maybe the business owner or i don't know maybe the chief financial officer that that salespeople will do things for recognition like a prize or a, um, an award or a plaque that they'd never do for money. Mm-hmm. All right, David, man, a lot to think about and a lot of stuff that if you, if you do the hard work of thinking about how you can implement this into your copywriting, um, I think you'll, you'll end up finding some phenomenal results. Thank you for bringing this to us. And I know from behind the scenes, these, episodes these old master series they take a lot out of you and so i just want to recognize that and say that i appreciate you putting these together for us well your recognition makes the glass half full again so thank you <laughs> all right man and until next time if you want to check out more episodes you can always head over to copywriterspodcast.com and we will catch you later catch you later Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.